and everything was really hard. So I ended up attempting to take my own life and I had a plan where everything kind of went wrong in the day, but I still wanted to go ahead with it. So I did what I did, but because I hadn't gone to the location that I wanted to because my car broke down, which is weird. That's like a sign. I, get, mm-hmm. I, I, I was on a split shift from work and I was really happy because I was like, oh, I'm going to die tonight and I don't have to do this anymore. Mental health. Mental health. Mental health. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. This is the Straight Talking Mental Health Podcast where, like the title suggests, we straight talk mental health. We do this to remove the stigma around mental health and generally just make it a little bit easier to talk about. I'm Cameron Clark, I'm a journalism student, and I'm joined by my psychotherapist father, Alan Clark. Alan, would you like to tell the listeners what it is that you do and maybe some of your qualifications? Qualifications are, I have a degree in counselling and psychotherapy and a master's in child and adolescent psychotherapy. I'm in private practice and I also talk an awful lot of shite on this podcast. The reason I asked Alan to mention his qualifications is so that you believe some of the stuff we're saying, because a lot of it is going to sound like an awful lot of shite. But there is a profession there, so you have to listen to us, or him at least. (laughs) This this week we're straight talking psychosis with JD. JD is going to talk about her own experience with mental health. And just a preemptive warning, there, there is some darker topics involved, so just listener discretion is advised. So, now that we've got all that out of the way, Alan, how have you been? Been all right, man. Just chipping away. Bank holiday here, but um, still a little bit of work on and stuff. But what I did finally do, fucking finally, was I finally cleared Assassin's Creed Valhalla out of pure spite and just pig-headedness. The funniest thing was, I, I went to your house about two weeks ago, and while I was there, you were on like the you were at the very end of the game. You actually finished it while I was there. But yeah, I went back a week later, and you were playing it. You were still playing it. I was baffled. I was like, I thought you finished this. Like, ah, oh, I had fucking more shit to do. <laughs> the Ireland. It was the Ireland. And the whole reason I got it was actually a client told me that she was playing that game. I was like, oh, you go to Ireland. I was like, oh, you go to Ireland. She's like, oh, yeah, there's the Druids and stuff. I was like, oh, well, that's very interesting. Mm. So that's that's the reason. That was mainly the reason I got it. And then completed the main campaign and that was like basically just doing the minimum like i wasn't doing all yeah. the side no i could hear it in your voice you hated the game by that stage <laughs> you were so sick of it because i played it as well and i played it for about 40 hours i didn't get anywhere near the end yeah and by about 40 maybe 50 hours in i was like this is just the same thing over and over again and you've been powered through for like 100 hours and you can oh, tell yeah. more just, oh 130 yeah. 135 by the time Something you were like at that. the end you had no desire to play that game. You just wanted to finish it so you could say you finished it. Exactly. That's it. That's all it was. Just I've never not cleared a game. And it was just at that point, I was just like, this fucking thing isn't getting the better of me. Like, <laughs> no way. <laughs> so finally, finally fucking cleared it. But it was it was interesting going around the, the bits in Ireland, um, you know, the Hill of Tar and all this thing, all the, the, the stuff up, up in Ulster the old tribal chiefs and kings and stuff like that. that that bit was interesting but oh man it's such a fucking repetitive game like it's yeah not that they, re- they re- really went for the quantity over quality yeah and that's 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 exactly it like it's better it's better to put in 40 solid hours than just drag something out just yeah. for the sake of it like so it's a weird complaint to make you know a game being having too much in it but 
there is a but certain there's... extent where there is too much and it's not it's not even enjoyable anymore yeah but there's no emotional there's no emotional investment in the story or anything no. like that you know the acting's not great and it's not the last of us but what i did start playing was days gone um and that straight away like first cutscene, i'm like i'm in yeah no Day, days me. gone is good yeah. it's very um fun zombie game especially when you kind of get further into it you were saying that to me your phone oh it's funny it's it's i was like there's none of that it's actually quite dark no but it is like when when you get to a stage where you have like the bigger guns on it is fun but yeah, I'm no, sure you're the, thinking the day is gone. Yeah, the game it's like the, it's the, like the, the last bike. of us. Yeah, the more. Yeah, 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 no. But when you, when you get later in the game, you fight like the big hordes and all, and they're fun because oh, right, it's right. just like thousands of zombies. You just get to blow them all up and stuff. That's oh, the fun right. part. No, no, the story is definitely not fun. The story is very dark. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's a bit more like it, and the acting is great, and the voice acting, yeah. and the yeah. So that's that's what's been going on with me. What's been going on with yourself? It's been a it's been a tough couple of weeks. So I mm. took my break last week because I had midterm to do. This week, I'm on midterm this week, although it doesn't fucking feel like it. <laughs> um, I took a break last week. So you and Peter took over. Just I, I had an assignment due, so I had mm. to get that finished. And like we've mentioned before, we don't have a lot of time. So I kind of have to squeeze in assignment times wherever I can get it. Yeah. But almost as soon as I finished that assignment, I started another one, which I'm struggling with an awful lot. And it's quite long. So just with that and then work and then my internship now as well. I felt I've a lot on my plate and it's uh, yeah. getting a bit overwhelming. What, what, are you, what, are you, uh, what are you doing to manage that for yourself then? Nothing. What, what, I, I don't what do have time. Do? I don't have time to manage it. I have to get this assignment done. I have to I have to at least get a draft in this week because it's due next mm. week. And I need to get a draft in just to make sure I'm going the right way with it. What's this one? What's, what's it on? Oh, it's all fucking academic writing, which I'm terrible <laughs> at. Oh really? No, oh, I, I just I can't. It's not my my style at all. Mm. Everything like referencing I write, and stuff like that. I'm not even the referencing is grand. It's just like there's no personality in it. Everything yeah, I've wrote yeah, has yeah. been real personal, and yeah. you know it's been past experiences or experiences of other people. This is just fucking shit, and it's not something we do a lot in my course. There's not a lot of academic yeah, yeah. writing because yeah. it's you know journalism is kind of a personal field. Whereas mine was basically the exact opposite. Yeah. So sort of academic writing and the odd personal piece. Yeah. So it's um, it's weighing on me a little bit. And just not having all that much time to actually just sit down and crack at it. Like, you know, mm. I, when I sit down to do it, I have an hour or two. Which isn't enough to do the whole assignment, which is normally what yeah, I like to do. Yeah. I like to be able to get at least a draft done in one sitting and then kind of chip away at it over the next couple of days. Yeah, but I don't have the, the time. Chip away is the way. Yeah. I don't have the time in the day to get the full word count done in one sitting. So it's uh, been a bit of an overwhelming couple of weeks. And when a couple of rides to get into will? later. Yeah, I don't when, know. When will you have it done or will? I, I need to have it done by tomorrow evening to get a draft okay. in so that I have enough because it's due next Friday. When I get the draft in, I like to have a week to... It's due next Friday. It's due next Friday, but I need to get a draft mm. in by tomorrow. You get so feedback lecture, on it, do you? Yeah, to get oh, feedback okay. on it. And then I have, yeah. you know, well, a week, I'd say, to fix it. Okay. Yeah. So come next Friday, you should be okay. Hopefully. No. Well, look after yourself, innit? Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a couple of riots to get into later, but I'm not going to spoil them. All right, we'll save, we'll save the riots. All right, there he is. Yeah. You're a great man for the hook. 
lure, lure people in. Ooh, what's this royal going to be? Is it going to be an even amount? <laughs> no. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil it here. It's not even this week. Oh, that's all right. We'll take that. That's that's all <laughs> it's not right. even this week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna say which way it's going, but it's not fucking even. <laughs> well, I'm gonna guess by the tone that it's uh, it's not going to be full of smiles and no. More royals and smiles this week. All right. Okay, well, maybe we should um, look at some correspondence. What have you got for me this week? Yeah, so we had had one. uh, You had shots fired at you a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? You weren't here last week. I did. I missed it. I said I'd save it till you were here. Uh, Do you want to speak on that one? Because this this came off the back of at the end of, not last week's podcast, the one prior of sending dick pics for the homies. And I'm like, what the fuck is this all about? And you weren't on last week to, to elaborate on it. And so for anyone who hasn't seen it, I said Alan a text. Well, it probably, it probably would have been Wednesday last week. I think it was the day before we were supposed to record or maybe Tuesday. Mm. And Andrew, who is a an avid listener to the podcast, an avid fan, he's very supportive. Avid, he's, he's up there with Paul. Between him and Paul, there are two. Probably listens more than we do. Yeah, and puts no, no, definitely puts, listens more than we do. Puts everyone onto the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> big fan of Andrew. Andrew tweeted the podcast's um, Twitter page and said and asked Alan. Now, di- didn't tag Alan, but asked him, "Is it counted as a dick pic if your son, if the younger Clark sends you a selfie?" <laughs> didn't tag <laughs> me in it either. So I, I seen this notification come up on the the podcast Twitter. I sent mm. the screenshot to Alan. And I was like, "Did you just call me a dick?" <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. I was just baffled. Yeah. It's like he didn't even—he didn't even have the courage to tag me in it. Well, he just went straight, went straight to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's what it's in reference. Uh, I'm, I'm presuming it's your point of no unsolicited dick pics when you're when you're yeah. in contact with us, and then you're saying unless it's for the homies and. Andrew came at the shots fired. Yeah, so to you, Andrew, fuck you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Oh, wow. No, no, I'm not agreeing with that. Andrew Andrew is one of our biggest supporters and has put a lot of people onto the onto the back. That's, that's coming from a place of pain. Though. That's, that's what that is. Hurt people hurt people. <laughs> there's nothing more dangerous than a wounded animal. <laughs> so you're just lashing out. <laughs> Andrew obviously was coming in jest. No, it was it was very funny. It was it was a good one. He's don't give it that one. Just next time, tag me in it. Don't don't, <laughs> yeah. try, don't try to go at the podcast. Yeah, at Cameron K A M R O N C L A R K E. Um, so we you got that one. You got shots fired. That was at the Twitter, which is at STMH podcast. Uh, we got a new listener. I think we've got Charlie. She had tweeted just started listening to the STMH podcast. A podcast all about mental health with straight-talking Irish presenters. What's not to love? Thanks, Charlie. Charlie is in the UK, to the best of my knowledge, as is the majority of our of our listeners. Well, the highest. Our highest you know what I've, I've noticed lately? A lot of mm. our a lot of our um, positive feedback lately has been based on our accents. Yeah, and that's that. We get that every so often. Mm. Every so often, we've been getting it a lot lately. I think. So you're you're firing shots at Andrew, and yet Andrew just listen to the current episode, and I'll say it again. In my experience. You're more than lifesavers. Keep at it, and I'm sure you'll never run out of subject matter. So, you and Andrew are his friends again, or I'm always going to be friends. Just yeah, I was going to be friends with him. He, he deserved that one. <laughs> yeah, he, he came at you. He came at you. 
you know, you gotta, you gotta, gotta defend yourself. Well, he he you he used you to come at me. No, but he just tweeted the podcast. <laughs> no, no, he used you. He said, <laughs> "Oh he, yeah, yeah." If if I send you a selfie, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that that's the ones on Twitter. You want to tell if people it, how if it means get... anything, Andrew? You're right. Yeah. <laughs> you're not supposed to say it. I can say it. It's like Alan when he talks about autistic people. He's allowed yeah, to do that. I, I can say it. Uh, yeah. yeah. You keep your <laughs> you mouth shut. You can't say that. Oh, I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, if people would like to give us some more correspondence, we almost always shout them out in the podcast unless you forget to screen grab them, as you call it. Yes. <laughs> Screenshot. Screenshot, screen yeah. grab, yeah, whichever. You can find us on Twitter at STMH Podcast. That's the exact same as the website, except it's stmhpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talking Mental Health. Or you can email us if, if you're into that sort of thing at hello at stmhpodcast.com. Like we just mentioned, no unsolicited dick pics, please. Yep. If you'd like to ask for permission, we're probably going to say no, but <laughs> at least ask. Yeah, it's, it's nice to be nice, be polite. Yeah, we, we probably won't be rude about it, but yeah. we will say no. Yeah. Unless you're a homie, then you'll probably get a yes from me. <laughs> well, you got to explain this to me. I'm obviously missing out on something. What's for no, the No, you're homies? missing what's, out on like a very common social media trend. Right. It's that you can hug and kiss Everything the homies. Everything is okay once it's, oh, it's just for yeah. the homies. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not homosexual if it's the homies. Okay. Yeah. Or if you have socks on. I don't know why. I don't know why. That's an old one. That's not a social media thing. All right, uh, I leave. I leave that to all the TikTokers. You can. You can. You can worry about that one. No, I think I'm, that's, I'm lost. I think that's, a that twi- that's a Twitter thing. For the homies. For the homies. Yeah. All right. Well, apparently you can get away with anything as long as it's for the homies. Yeah. Yeah. Do Sounds like, like um, just people just alleviating themselves of any sort of responsibility, doing whatever they want, and then just going for the homies. It's like when I was in the Guelph. No, talk. it's only if it's to the homies. To the homies. Oh, well, yeah. when I was in the Gwail Talk, you could get away with, so for anyone that doesn't know, you go away to this part of the country, usually very isolated parts of the country, where you speak Irish, nothing but Irish for three weeks. And if you're, some of them are very strict, some of them aren't as strict. Um, and if you're heard speaking English, you can be kicked out or, you know, you get a warning and then you're kicked out and stuff like that. And there was a kind of caveat and an asterisk that, as you know, if you said something in English, as long as you added Darlum at the end of it, which means, kind of, in my opinion, you're all right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, I'm doing all this shit for the homies, blah, 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 send all the dick pics, darlum. You could, you could probably get away with it. So, that, that, so it's, just, it's just that ghetto clause. That, Say and do whatever you want as long as you add that in. <laughs> so that's, that's, your, that's your way around it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's not me. I'm not the one doing it to the homies and for the homies. And, you know, no homo as long as it's for the homies. So... I'm not getting it. <laughs> we had um, outside of all of that because <laughs> that's just fucking weird. It's one of those episodes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. O- outside of that, we had Nick on last week. You weren't you weren't available last week. I'm assuming you listened back to the episode. I dude, I dude, dude, you dude. I dude, you didn't. You do. Past and present tense, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the future journalism, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know what I am? Um... I was doing an interview for Midlands the other day and I had a slightly older woman on and she'd never, she'd never spoken into a microphone before. Yeah. And before I had the microphone in her face, she was all chatting. I was like, this is going to be fucking deadly. Soon as the microphone was there, she just started getting flustered and didn't know how to speak. Mm. 
And I'm the same. I never get flustered unless there's a microphone in my face. And I've been doing this for ages now. But yeah, we we had Nick on last week. And the listeners probably don't get this as much as we do. But Nick is the best person in the world at sharing stuff around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like we we've had we've had a couple of good guests for it now, but Nick is up there with Carly, yeah, for just sharing King the, kings and queens of of yeah of their episodes, yeah. But no, in in um in talking about the episode itself, Nick was really good, and he mm. was he was good at kind of portraying the dark like the the more emotional side, you know, his his relationship with George Floyd and all. But he did it in kind of the way we like it, where he's not talking about it in such a dark manner. Mm-hmm. Is that he's more lightheartedness in the world isn't the holy fuck fucking hell man what's going on with you this oh, morning this is what i mean yeah listeners listen wouldn't have heard it but i messed up the intro like three times <laughs> it's all right you're tired you're under pressure that's okay. it's been it's We're been it's right. been a tough yeah. week but yeah nick nick We're was very good at talking about the darker topics in a more i suppose casual manner is the word i'm looking for it's not lighthearted mm. but mm. light toned i suppose maybe is the word I'm looking for. It was very interesting, you know. So for anyone that hasn't listened, Nick spoke about his book and he spoke about his own experience around mental health and being hospitalized and our episode was on mental health in America. But what he also spoke about was knowing George Floyd. He actually worked with George Floyd and it's so interesting to hear, you know, this face that became part of a movement. And, you know, it started the whole Black Lives Black Lives Matter movement and everyone heard the name George Floyd and everyone knew about him you know, being murdered and, and stuff like that. But here was the voice of someone that actually knew him. And people saying, oh, he was a criminal, blah, blah, blah. You know, people kind of justifying the murder. And it was murder. Um, but he was like, no, that wasn't that wasn't the, the guy I knew. But even when you when you watch the recording, it like of the, the murder, which for most people, I would actually say not to watch it. it is, it's quite dark and it, it can be very distressing. It, I didn't want to watch it. No. no, but you can see even in the video, it's it's a murder. He's pleading for them to mm. stop. Mm. So like the people that did justify it, I don't really want to get into this much because, no, no. you know, it's just a fucking, it's a nightmare. But the people that justify it are ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was nice to have, you know, personal experience of, of course, that reached global renown, yeah. unfortunately, because of. Because of what happened, so it's always interesting to hear that that kind of side of it. You know, it's like when you ever hear interviews with people who who know who know celebrities personally, and they mm. always talk about like completely different side of them. I always find it very interesting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, yeah, so what what was, did you think of the episode anyway? Yeah, like that. It was you know just hearing that of you know just hearing about George Floyd and uh, just that personal side of it. You know, because we forget, we're like, oh yeah, Black Lives Matter and blah blah blah, and this is how you know this happens and that that. It's like, yeah, this happened because, well, this being the main catalyst for it, because this man was was murdered. Yeah, and you know it was filmed. So yeah, so that was that was last week. Before we've had our correspondence, we've had our check in on last week's episode, and we got some smiles and royals. I let you go first. I've got I've got a good few. All right. I'm going to end on a smile just for to keep it positive, but you, you go yeah. first. Yeah, well, I kind of touched on it a little bit there. And uh, I said, I leave this to you TikTokers. Fucking TikTok, man. Just, oh, it gets me so fucking riled. Um, I've installed the app. Okay. Ashing went onto this mad 
obsessive thing of using TikTok for hours and hours and then to be sending me stuff. And so I kind of signed up. Um, Formula One was on at the weekend. It was in America. Mm. So there was a time difference in terms of qualifying and race. So I was watching the qualifying Saturday night and she was just kind of lying on my chest and she was flicking through TikTok and it was just fucking infuriates me. Like, it's just fucking so narcissistic. Like, oh, just yeah. Girls dancing. I was like, what's this? Like, is this it? Like, is it just fucking women voicing over or, or then there's like these fucking lads, these handsome men with their fucking six pack and pecs and tops off telling fucking women how they deserve to be treated. I'm just like, oh. Well, that's that's actually inside of TikTok. Everyone has all very the different relationships side of it. Or... I have the very funny side of TikTok, and no, no, I do. She does send some funny yeah. stuff as well. But I was just like, fucking hell! Like, what is this? Shit? But no, there, and it's... then and then she was showing me like the filters. Like you, you can filter the videos. No, oh, I've never made a video on TikTok, so I no. But like, women have filters, and it's like full makeup, but it's video. Yeah, it's not like a Facebook or a Snapchat mm-hmm. filter. I'm like fucking hell like this is just everything that's going wrong social media for you yeah yeah it's just so that that had me roiled Equal, equally roiled going back to the going back to the Grand Prix was the race was in America mm. uh, everyone knows everyone listens to the podcast knows I'm a huge Formula 1 fan the race was in America and they had a presenter Danica Patrick Danica Patrick raced in IndyCar or something like that in the States uh, apparently wasn't very good um, but they had her on solely because she's a woman and solely because it's in America and they're trying to appeal to American audiences but she knew absolutely fuck all about Formula 1 and I was on Twitter at the time I was you know checking in just sort of scrolling as the as the race coverage was building up and everyone was like oh my god Danica Patrick is so amazing oh more of this please Guy Sports and I was just like like this is someone that's not there on merit. She's not there because she's had, you know, it's not someone from the, the new racing series, the W series, you know, someone that's racing single seaters in Europe and uh, at the formula one circuits and all this. Like this is someone that has no experience in formula one, but is there mm. just because she's a woman and just because they're trying to appeal to a broad market. It's just like, just get someone that knows. Yeah. They had they had a little piece of a guy called Willie T. Willie T was he was like the, I think he was the first uh, black man to even test a, a Formula One car, and he faced a lot of racism when he raced in America um, because he was black stuff like this. They actually used to call him Uppity, uh, so Willie T, but they called him Uppity because he was an Uppity N word. Um, and I was like, that's who you should have on. Like, there's there's someone that can speak about it. There's someone that has the experience. But this thing of you know, just there, not not on talent, not on mm. you know insight into Formula One, just just trying to appeal to everyone. And it's like, and then as people were saying, like, oh, she's great. I was like, you're not actually listening to what she's saying. Mm. If you actually listen to what she's saying, she just turns around every question. She doesn't have a clue about. She just turns around and makes it about herself. Oh, and what do you think? Do you know what you think, Lewis? And it's like, da, 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 da. oh, well, you know, when I was racing, I was like. I'm not fucking asking about you. <laughs> You're here to talk about the question that's just been asked of you. So, uh, so that that had me riled. And just uh, just to reiterate, there there is good female commentators out there. Like Dor- of course, Doris they have, they have Natalie Pinkman. They have uh, shit. I can't think. I can't think of the other the other woman's name. They're great. They're great mm. presenters, and they have great insight into Formula One. They should have just had them on. Yeah. But they're just trying to appeal to the American market. The diverse Danica Patrick. They could have had former Formula One drivers. People that have actually tested a Formula One car and know 
and you could see is like she has no clue about Formula One. Yeah, it's been. Oh well, I think I think Checo needs to help uh, Lewis out. I was like, not even his teammate. <laughs> You're just totally wrong. Mm. It's being gender diverse just to be. Gender just, diverse, but, but they have Natalie Pinkman. They have mm. you know, there's others there. It's, at least if you're going to get a woman, just get a woman that knows what she's talking about. It's like you know any of the female soccer commentators, pundits, they know what they're talking about, yeah. regardless of gender. Yeah, so that's just fucking just know what you're talking about. Don't be there just for the sake of it. Well, off the top know, of I'm that, sure that's offended someone. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, well. no, that that has. <laughs> um, all, all I'm saying, just know your job. Mm. Yeah, regardless of sex or gender or creed just just know your job get it because you're the best person well do you have a do you have a smile to top that off or do we have another row coming in i think well i think i kind of touched on it. my smile is uh playing days gone okay. stuck into a game that i'm actually emotionally invested in <laughs> and not just trying to play it just to fucking out of pure stubbornness <laughs> yeah just out of spite. you will not beat me <laughs> you won't get the better of me just out of spite. So that's 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 me smile what about yourself I'll get my rails out of the way first, because there, there is a few of them. So I suppose me, my more general rail is just, I've been overwhelmed the last couple of weeks with everything kind of mm-hmm. crumbling. Mm-hmm. But I've talked about that already. My next one is I brought my car in for the NCT last Saturday mm-hmm. for, the second time, for the second time. Got everything fixed. Paid the, when you when you do your retest, the fee is half the cost. So it's yeah. 28 euros. So I brought it in. I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be a piece of paste. They're going to pop open the bonnet, see the things that need to be changed were changed. I'm going to be on my way. Mm-hmm. He brings it into the garage. He starts revving the bollocks and everything out of it again. And he's like, this, this prick is doing a full check again, mm-hmm. which they're not supposed to do. They're supposed mm-hmm. to check and see what needed to be fixed last week got fixed. And mm-hmm. for what I obviously needed... it passed everything yeah. else. <laughs> so what, what needed to get fixed with me were two visual things. As soon as you popped open the bonnet, you could see the two things had to be changed. Mm-hmm. So he starts doing the full test again. 20 minutes later, he comes out and he says, your dip light is too bright. And he's like, hmm? He's like, yeah, your dip light is a little bit too bright. You need to get that focused. And I said, my dip light passed last week. Mm. I said, all my lights passed last week. And he said, well, it shouldn't have. That, that's too bright. Fuck's sake. So I was like, okay, can I bring down the road and get the light changed? He said, no, you have to get a full mm. retest. Oh, I said, are you fucking serious? I said, there's a garage like two minutes away. He said, I'll just get the bulb change. It will take me two minutes. Mm. He said, no, you have to get a full retest for that. Which you're not supposed to because it doesn't need a tool to replace mm. it. Even on the sheet, it says if, if something that needs to be changed, it doesn't require tools or equipment. It can be like a visual check. You don't have to. Yeah, but you won't have to pay it the next time though, will you? Yeah, we'll not pay it 28 euro again. Oh, for fuck's sake. So I brought, I brought my... You want to check that out? I don't think you do. I think that's just a, that's just a visual check. No, I had to bring, I had to bring it back. Because you can only you can only get the visual check you if you go it back, back on the same day. No, no, I haven't got it done yet. But I had to reapply. Oh, fuck's sake! You can only get a visual check done if it's done the same day. But he wouldn't let me do All that. Right. So I brought brought the car down to the garage anyway. I said, "Look." Now I called my mechanic first. I said mm. the dip light didn't pass for me. He said, "I checked all your lights. So they're all fine. They're standard." But he was like, "Bring it in anyway, and we'll have a look." Brought it down. He got there was nine mechanics in the garage. He got every single one of them to look at the two lights, the light on either side. They all agreed mm. those are the exact same lights. And only one of them failed. One of them was too bright. He, they all said, no, there is no difference in those lights whatsoever. So he put a new dip light in anyway, turned the lights on. He said, there's no difference. But he said, bring it down. He said, he, he can't fail you on that again. Yeah, yeah. So I'm bringing it down next Friday. 
have to be royal. Because, well, one of me royals because it's a lot of fucking money yeah, down the ground. That's for understandable, nothing. yeah. And even the mechanic said to me, he was like, he's just trying to rob you. He said, if he, if he wasn't going to let you just go down and get changed and come back and have a look at it, he said he's trying to get more money. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, I'd report yeah. that. Absolutely yeah. report that. But that, that's what happened there. So the NC can go fuck itself. Um, mm. And then the other royal <laughs> actually only happened a couple of days ago. I was driving back from an interview. And I was going in Port Leash, I was going across this tiny bridge. You know, one of those bridges that one car can barely fit across it. Mm. And it's real fucking bendy and windy. So mm. I was going across that. And normally bridges like that will go fairly slow just in case there is a car coming across and I can mm. stop. So I'm going fairly slow. And from the other side of the bridge, as I kind of, so the way it was, you go up the bridge, it turns left and turns right. As I was going left, this car was coming towards me. He must have been going about 60 or 70 kilometers an hour up the bridge and would have hit me. So I mm. swerved out of the way. My car scratches along the wall and like takes a, a good bit out of the side just above the tire. And your man didn't even fucking stop. Just kept going on. And the person that was behind me got out of the car and he came up to me. He was like, are you all right? He said, I'm sorry. I tried to see the reds in the car. He said, I couldn't get it. He was going too quick. Fair play at least. Yeah. So now the, the side of my car and my fucking brand new tire is scratched oh, a bit. God. Fuck's sake. Yeah, so that's that's Mueller Royal. So there's two two big Royals involved in the car. Mm. And I'm not even gonna get fucking the scratch fixed or anything yet. The amount of money I've been pouring into that fucking yoke with the NCT, I, I can't yeah. put more into it yet. I need yeah. a break. That and I, I I genuinely don't have the time to give me fucking car up for a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe we sort something out while trying trying sort something with you. You mentioned interviews. There's something you you haven't mentioned. No, I did. I, I mentioned it earlier. That, that's oh. gonna be me smile. All right, I'll go for yeah. it then. I was like, Jesus, please let me go spoil because this, this is a bad one. This no, week. no, this, this, this. And me this and P were a, having bad days last week. You know, this, this is a bad week. But me smile yeah. anyway, I got my internship sorted, thanks to Peter. Yeah, I got sorted. And bit of nepotism. Yeah, I'm a bit with Midlands 1 or 3 now. So that's where, that's where all the interviews have been coming from. I've been doing work for that. Mm. So that's, that's, that's me smile. Now that's, I finally got that sorted. It's a little bit of pressure off. What's it like? You're, you're out there in the world, you're interviewing people and. Oh, I'm an actual journalist now. It's great. Yeah. Not just photos, photocopying stuff and filing no. stuff away. No, <laughs> actually, which it seems to be kind of what most people in the class are doing. They're kind of just learning how to do stuff. Mm. Not me, apparently. Yeah, good. You get an actual work experience. Yeah. So yeah, that that's kind of the, the one bright spot. It's been a very tough two weeks since the last time I've been on the podcast. Yeah. So I needed that. That's yeah, a lot. But, you know, when you were on with Rocky, you were saying the importance of self-care. And, mm. you know, you need to you need to apply that to yourself. Oh, will you? I would, Somewhere. but the only issue is I don't have the time. It reminds me, I'm going to get all philosophical with you here, and I'm going to show you that sometimes I know what I'm talking about and stuff that I teach in workshops and classes and stuff. Uh, there's a it's kind of a, a story in, in Buddhism, and this monk comes across a guy that's chopping wood with an axe in the woods. And, you know, the monk says to him, he says, you know, he says you could... Uh, you could chop a you could chop a lot more wood if you sharpened your blade. And your man's going, well, where the fuck would I get time to sharpen a blade? You know, sometimes you need to stop so you can so you can work a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, no, I so. I genuinely though, as much as good as that story is, I don't <laughs> have the time. I have to get this assignment done. Yeah, and you know my That's my midweek is like kind of very tight as it is, and I've always been able to fit caught like, uh, say Tuesday morning I have nothing going on, so I do college work. Mm. Couldn't do college work this week because. I had stuff to do for Midlands, so my Tuesday morning was gone. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just your, you record the podcast and you go to college and you work. Now you go to work, you do your work 
experience. Yeah, so there's two works. You go to now. college and you do and you do the podcast. Yeah, it's like I have an hour or two a day mm. where I can do where, where I can't even even relax. I have to do college work. Mm. So I like the for the last kind of nine days or so, no time to myself. I haven't been able to relax. So I just I need to get this assignment out of the way, and then I can get back to just doing my own thing. Well, let's you know make sure and look after yourself then after mm. next week. But look after yourself as much as you can in the meantime. Until I get hit with more assignments. <laughs> See, it's it's weird because I've never I've never had because I've two days off mm. technically, and I've never had two days off when I'm in college and work, and I've always had maybe one. But my first year, I was in, I was I had seven days. I was either working or I was in college. Mm. Last year, the same, and then I had I had one day off, and it was like normally like a Tuesday or something. I have two days off this year. I've never been busier. Because you've just filled it with something else, haven't you? Yeah. So you don't have those days off. You've no, not really. Replaced them. They've just been substitutes. Yeah. Any more smiles? Any more riles? No, no. That, that was a small, a small smile. An SS. An SS. Trying yeah. to, <laughs> trying to outweigh. It was, about, it was about as small as mine. So. Yeah. Trying to outweigh the very large riles. Yeah, yeah. Although I am going to the cinema later on, and I'm and I'm looking forward to that. What are you going to see? Um, Ron's gone wrong. Is that what it's called? The Never heard animated of movie guy gets a, a robot that's faulty bad code or something like that so I'm, I am looking forward to that I uh, I did go to see Halloween Kills recently what's that the Halloween, Ma- Halloween movie Michael Myers Michael movie? Myers yeah so they they kind of re- well they did like a soft reboot of it in 2018 with Halloween so it's based after the very first one but it kind of mm. because there's, there's like 15 Halloween movies or something but it took out all yeah, the rest yeah. of them they're all gone and the one twenty eighteen was very good as far as the horror film can be, you know. Generally, you like your horror, don't you? Yeah, but generally the standard for horror, horror films has to be a little bit lower. Yeah, but Halloween Kills was very good, I thought. Well, actually, I had a had had a little smile. Well, it's not a smile, but it'll be a smile for you because a Facebook memory came up. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I used to do a bit of acting back in the day, um, and it was a photo memory of I was on a shoot up in the Wicklow Mountains, and uh, one that one that came up for me actually couple of weeks ago as well and i was actually um filming i had done around i think it might be video that's shown up in the battle of the Boyne, up in the Boyne visitor center so the, the the battle that went on there uh, but both of those were directed by lee cronin at the time he was just a young director filmmaker um lee was very good he liked we got on well and he you know he used to throw some work because we worked well together and i was i was never any hassle but Lee will be actually directing the next Evil Dead movie, writing and directing the next Evil really? Dead movie. So yeah, yeah. Is that Evil Dead from Ash versus Evil Dead? Uh, I don't know. Just uh, it's it's the new, the next, the upcoming Evil Dead project will be wrote and directed by right. young Irish man Lee Cronin. Yeah, good for the Irish. We don't get much. Yeah. So if I was still acting, I'd probably be doing what every other actor fucking does and harasses people trying to get a job. Oh, if you're venting, <laughs> let me know. Hayley, just checking in. How are you doing? All great news. <laughs> Haven't heard from you that. 10 years, but that, that's great. Yeah, man. exactly. Yeah, but I just want to check in. But I did I did actually text him. I sent him a tweet to congratulate him. So there's a little bit of a smile in that hmm. as well. So with all of that being said, we'll hand over to JD. We are talking to JD Swells Barnes. JD's going to talk about her own experience at mental health and how that has affected her. JD, before we get into all that, would you like to maybe give us a background on yourself? What it is you do? It is so long. Um, I'll try <laughs> to be in a nutshell. Um, we've got a bit of time, though. I'm sure we'll throughout do, yeah. we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll touch everything. But 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm JD. I am a radio presenter, DJ, uh, music person. I just like music a lot. It's uh, very therapeutic for me and always has been. Um, so that that is what I do. I just I do broadcasting. Um, I've done podcasts as well myself, which I enjoyed, but I don't really have a lot of time for that now. We um, don't either. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know, isn't it? So I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm big into my music and my, my kind of radio is what I live for, really. So mm. um, I'm a breakfast show host on our local community radio station, Beat 103, which is based in Preston in Lancashire. Um, and yeah, that's, that's me, really. And I'm silly. <laughs> You sent us a message, JD, because you've, you've got a story to tell. Where, where would you like to start with that story? Okay, so it's quite long, but I'll try and, yeah, you know. Go as long as you want. Yeah. So, I mean, I have been suffering with my mental health since I was very young, a child. Um, I went through some trauma when I was very young. And as young as kind of like seven... I can remember suffering with quite crippling anxiety, but I never knew what it was at the time. And I would get very depressed. And I was self-harming from around the age of nine. Um, as a teenager, I was treated for anxiety and depression. I saw a doctor. Um, they, provide, they prescribed me Fluxetine, uh, which is Prozac, basically. But I didn't mm. really understand what it was. and I didn't really understand what was wrong with me. So I didn't take the meds. Uh, my escape escapism was self-medicated, so with alcohol, uh, from quite a very young age, really. So I was going out, I was drinking a lot, I was very young, and I was also very impulsive. So I'd get myself in some quite sticky situations, which led to more trauma um, with things happening sort of within my life and life life was a, a roller coaster such a roller coaster uh, I have this association so there's a lot of my life I don't actually remember there's there's a lot of kind of gaps of where I've disassociated for periods of time mm. and I don't really know what's happened so as I mentioned music has been the therapy since I was young I started uh, playing guitar when I was very young and it did save me in the dark times because it's like I'd listen to songs. Uh, I was I was into kind of like my post-punk stuff. And, you know, the, the kind of lyrics would be a bit depressing maybe. But for me, that was like a connection because I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm not on my own. Other people feel these things. Mm. So that carried through my life. So I was playing my guitar, doing a lot of songwriting. And then when I was I was 15... I uh, was at a party and there were some decks and I was kind of like, oh, let me have a go. <laughs> so I did and I could do it. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And the thing is with DJing as well, because it's just you and the music and you're concentrating mm -hmm. on the mixing is so mindful, such a mindful thing to do. So I was playing in nightclubs uh, in Preston, where I, where I live, from as soon as I was 18 but my mental health was very bad and I was suffering with psychosis. So I was hearing voices, seeing things that weren't there. 
I would think TVs or radios were giving me messages or, you know, there'd be little coincidences that would happen and I think the universe is giving me signs. I was very paranoid and it was actually quite scary because I was very young and mm. mental health wasn't talked about. Mm. So uh, at one point I was hearing voices that were telling me I was going to die by a certain day uh, after New Year. It was around about 2009 or 2010. But New Year, my um, my auntie had just had her little girl and I don't know, something inside me just wasn't right and I was like, I'd be in bed and... I'd see all these visions of, like, random stuff in my life, like walking to school or to going to the shop, but just, just seeing very vivid things, uh, like little flashbacks, if you will. And uh, then my, the voices were telling me that that was my life flashing before my eyes because that's what happens before you die. So I'll, by the end of February, I was going to die, and I was shitting myself. It was scary, and I spoke to a few people about it, and I then got referred to the community mental health team, saw the psychiatrist, and he said, you've got personality disorder, um, and then monitored me for a diagnosis of bipolar disorder, which he eventually put down, type 1 bipolar disorder, uh, with psychotic symptoms and also PTSD. So I was given medication and quetiapine and it kind of helped a little bit-ish but it didn't stop the mania, the manic episodes and I had quite a severe manic episode but nobody knew because I didn't tell anyone because I was embarrassed about my illnesses. I didn't didn't even know what was going on, you know what I mean? So I was getting in trouble with the police my behaviour was so disruptive and I was erratic, I was unpredictable, started losing jobs, losing gigs, promoters weren't booking me anymore, wasn't turning up to gigs and there was more trauma. So uh, I, I ran away, I ran away. I moved down south to uh, Surrey because my dad was living there and uh, I started working for a financial company, a normal job. But again, you do. I did a medical, and I lied on the medical. I said I was taking the medication, but I said it was short term, mm. which was a lie, because obviously I was like, I didn't want them to know. I didn't want them to kind of not take me on because of my mental health. Mm. So they took me on, but I, uh, I had a lot of anxiety, and I had, oh, I wasn't good. And they again, they just thought I was a liability. And they actually sacked me in the end. I'd only been there for about three months. They were like, this is not for you. And I'm like, if I had told them the situation, I'm pretty sure they would have supported me through it. Now, on hindsight, does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Mm. But uh, again, it still wasn't talked about a lot back then. So it, it's one of them, it's the stigma isn't it? Yeah. And uh, So do you do you feel a, a sense of regret kind of for maybe not being open about it? The way that I feel, like where I am today, which is kind of what I'll get to, I'm in, a, I'm in the best place I've ever been in. So I feel like those things that have happened that maybe I have regretted at times, 
Uh, but it's led me to where I am now. So I'm, I'm not looking back at the past and making, and having regrets because that journey that I've been on, all these things that have happened have led me to this point. And yeah, times have been hard. But I mean, I got sacked from this financial company. I just started working in pubs again. And I got promoted quite quickly to a manager. And then I stopped taking my beds again. So uh, I was erratic again. But they loved it because working in a pub, if you're all mm -hmm. happy and jolly and, and you can do 16-hour shifts without sleep and you're fine, they loved it. Do you mm. know what I mean? It was perfect. But they didn't understand how ill I was. Like, I wasn't well. So I, I was manic, and then I got psychosis again, got paranoid again, thinking people were messing with me. Do you know what I mean? And it was it's so difficult. There's times in my life where I don't know whether what is happening is a delusion or reality. And I'll never know. I'll, I'll never find the answer to that question out. And it doesn't bother me, bother me, but it's just like, it's frustrating. There's times when I, you know, convinced people are after me and the police are after me or, you know, I lived with, I lived with a, a woman in London. She, what, well, I think she was like a, like a bit evil. Uh, I, but I can't, I can't to this day even... Think is was that my paranoia and my psychosis, or was mm. she actually that way out? I, I don't know. I'll never know. So I mean, I got psychotic again after working in the pubs, and I ended up reaching out to the mental health services again and saw a doctor, and they put me on aripiprazole and uh, quetiapine again. So started taking that, but then I come down, I crashed like major crash from this manic high that I'd been on for like months and it was so dark I was so trapped couldn't see any light couldn't see a future I, I was hardly functioning I was on autopilot all the time uh, I was very medicated and everything was really hard so I ended up attempting to take my own life and I had a plan but everything kind of went wrong in the day, but I still wanted to go ahead with it. So I did what I did, but because I hadn't gone to the location that I wanted to, because my car broke down, which is weird. That's like a sign. <laughs> I, I, mm -hmm. I, I was on a split shift from work and I was really happy because I was like, oh, I'm going to die tonight and I don't have to do this anymore. So, which is a bit dark, really. Uh, well, it, it, just just a touch on that, Jenny. Just before you go any further, yeah. I mean that is some one of the things for people to look out for around someone that has been severely depressed, and then all of a sudden they're happy. And yeah, people think, oh happy. great, they've, they've they've lifted themselves out of it. Very often that can be a warning sign because actually exactly what you said there is they've made the decision to kill themselves. And you know what? I was I was over the moon, mm. and but I I was I was working in the pub. Uh, I had a break for a couple of hours, drove to my dad's. The plan was to go up to Epsom Downs, the race course in Surrey, and park up there and take an overdose. But I, on this break, I, went, like, I had to park on the road outside the house. Anyway, I stopped the car and I was like, oh, I could probably 
move a little bit further back here. So I'd put the key in and try to turn it on. Didn't turn on. I was like, what's going on? And then I was like, no, no, that can't happen. So we got the AA out in the time of my break because my stepmom was with the AA. She had an AA card. Came out, they're like, start motor's gone. And I was like, so that's it then. I'm like, yeah. So I had to get a train back to work. My shoe broke on the way. Right? <laughs> so I had a broken shoe. A girl just can't catch a break. I know. I had a broken shoe that when I got to work, I tried stapling back together. Uh, <laughs> it was really busy as well. There was a band on and I was like, it was, it was really... Wasn't a good day in the office, like really. <laughs> but I was, I was still thrilled because I was like, I don't care how bad of a day this is. Like, I'm, I'm still gonna go ahead with what I want to go ahead with. And I got, I took some wine out of the fridges when I was locking the pub up, and went back to my dad's. Just took all the meds out the cupboard, and went and sat in my car that was on the road. And just sat in my car, just drinking wine, taking pills, drinking wine, taking pills. And there was, it was a lot. And uh, and the next thing you know, I must have passed out a little bit because some, someone opened my car door. But I'd left the light on in the car, in the inside the car. So someone mm-hmm. opened it and it was a paramedic. And I, I recognised it was a paramedic because they looked like a paramedic. But the first thing that they opened the door and I just went, Bleh! There's throw up everywhere. And do you know what? I can't I can't have paracetamol now. So the taste of it gives me PTSD mm. from the when I've taken overdoses on it. Because the taste is minging. Mm-hmm. Oh, throwing up paracetamol is not nice. Um, <laughs> it's the worst. Well, JD, maybe don't try and fucking kill yourself. I know. <laughs> yeah. so it was I think s- your body's trying to tell you something there. <laughs> So, we don't want all this stuff inside us. No. So, I mean, I, I obviously I got taken to hospital and I don't really remember much apart from waking up because I must have passed out again and just the oh, the feeling like, why? I was so angry that... That you were still alive? That I was still alive, yeah. I was. Oh, it was dark. It was really dark. But... I spoke to the mental health team that came round and they admitted me into Springfield in Tooting, um, the psychiatric ward there, and uh, they put me on some more meds. And I was there for about three weeks. And then they discharged me. And they were like, uh, home treatment team will be coming around every day to administer your medication. So I was like, right, but I was furious. I still wanted to die. And I told them that in the hospital, but they don't like staying in a hospital for too long. They want you mm. out. They want the beds. So mm. um, anyway, I was. I started, Joy was, right, while I was in hospital, I always forget about this. Do you remember when Robin Williams died? Mm. The actor, and he hung himself. Mm. Mm. That was, because I was a bit psychotic, the TV was telling me to hang myself when I saw the news. It's like, that's what you've got to do. That's what the voices were telling me to do. So I start, So I got discharged, seen the home treatment team. I was obsessed with this hanging myself malarkey. I was Googling how to do it, like, the best ways. So I, even, I was like, right, I've got a belt. Like, put it through the door. And uh, the home treatment team were coming around going, oh, do you feel safe? No, no, no. 
And I was like, no, I'm like, I'm going, I'm going to kill myself. And they're like, oh, but you're with your dad, and you're, you're fine, you're fine. And I'm like, right, okay. So they just gave me my meds and then trot on the merry way. They'd only stay for about 10 minutes, give me my meds, and then they'd go. Mm -hmm. uh, there was no crisis plan in place or anything, which was terrible. And uh, I was quite open about the fact that I was still very suicidal. Anyway, it just one night I was having a drink with my dad and my sister, and I don't know, something just told me it's time. So I was like, right, it's time. So I said goodnight to my dad, said goodnight to my sister. There weren't anything wrong, they weren't upset. Well, I was obviously depressed. But there was nothing, it wasn't like something triggered it. Does that make sense? Mm. You know, like, because I've got more like personality disorder as well. So, like, things can trigger me. And sometimes I've taken overdoses, overdoses out of impulsiveness or self-harmed out of impulsiveness. But this wasn't impulsiveness. This was planned. It was happening. Anyway, so I went upstairs, got, got the bell. You know, you know how it goes. And... This is weird. So, I I obviously was quite successful at first because <laughs> I definitely passed out, uh, but the belt didn't hold. So, I I have this. I had an out of body experience, right? So, I'd fallen flat on the floor. So my face planted the floor, and uh, but I actually could see myself like I was sat at the end of my feet watching myself my sister was on one side of me my dad was on the other side of me and my, all I remember is looking down at my own body seeing them and then my sister just shouting she's bleeding because I'd cut my face open from full like baseball. Mm. and then I don't the next thing I know I've woken up in hospital and I'm on another section and uh, my dad actually couldn't handle it. He was like, I don't want her in my house anymore. Um, you can take her. So, obviously, the ward. And um, he didn't want anything to do with me. He made me homeless. And I was in that ward for three months. Whilst I was in there, I'm, I was I was on one-to-one -one all the time because I just kept trying to hurt myself. So, I was quitting myself. I slipped my artery open. I uh, put a plastic bag over my head. Um I was cutting, I was I, I trying to hang myself with a shoelace. I wasn't even allowed to wear my own shoes because they wouldn't give you, they took my shoes off me, took the shoelaces. So I, that was frustrating. But I was, in, I was in a bad way though, in a really bad way. And that, yeah, so three months I was in there for and that was pretty intense. But the thing was though, I then spent like the next five years or so constantly in and out of psychiatric wards. I get discharged. I'll be back in within two weeks. And this went on for years. And a lot of it I don't remember. It's, again, disassociation. But uh yeah, my uncle who is uh I mean he's got his own mental health as well. It's he's quite hereditary like in our family. Is is there a history in, in your family of it? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um so it's kind of like, I don't know if it's some, because it's the nature-nurture argument, isn't it? 
the things mm. caused by the environment, uh, caused by... There was there stuff? I mean, just, just to go back, after all of that has been said, uh, one of the questions I want to ask was, what was going on in the life of that seven-year-old that was experiencing so much anxiety? Child abuse. Child abuse. Yeah, child abuse. So, and that was from a young age. And... Um, so the, the, the correlation with trauma and, trauma, and psychosis. Yeah. I, I was very traumatised. And, and the thing was as well, I would be like convinced that there was like cameras in my teddies and stuff. Hmm. You know, I'm very, very paranoid. And I wasn't... I wasn't living a childhood life. I had to do a lot for myself. Yeah. So that kind of gave me a bit of an identity crisis as I'm getting older because I've been having to do things as a child that adults should be doing for me. Yeah. So am I an adult? Am I a child? What am I? Who am I? Hmm. And that that was like, I, like I, I never felt like I fit in anywhere or, you know, because I was so troubled all the time yeah. that, yeah, it was just anxiety. I didn't know what anxiety was. I just had this feeling. I know now that it was anxiety. Mm. And, you know, there was a depression from a very young age. And uh, I was like... Sorry, without, without going into too much detail, just, just to clarify, when you say child abuse, is that physical abuse? Is that sexual abuse? Physical and mental. Physical. Yeah. Um, there was uh, some abuse going on with another student abusing me uh, at one point when I was in primary school, which I'm not going to go into yeah, uh, because it might, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but yeah, there was a lot, oh, was, so much going on. I mean, I, had, I just, I was in survival mode all the time. Of course. Fight or flight all the time. And that stayed with me. And I mean, I've spent my life pretty much in that kind of mode of, fight or flight because I'm so surviving but not thriving just surviving and it's hard because you you I pay a lot of attention to detail so people's body language and uh just things you know I pick up on little things and make them it's because you had to JD, you know, you had to, yeah. because your survival literally depended on it. And for people that, you know, for people that have experienced that sort of trauma, you'd often hear them go, oh, I'm an empath, you know, to put I it am. down to like like a, yeah. like a superpower. But really that's pure survival because your survival is dependent on someone's mood. So you can tell by the sound of the key in the door, the sound of a foot on the step, you know what sort of mood that person is in. So yeah. you have to adapt accordingly to either get out of there or try and put this person in a bad mood so they yeah. don't hurt you. Well, so you become so attuned at reading other people's emotions and body language and all of that because your survival depended on it. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, like, funnily enough, I went out last night. Um, now... Before I moved away from Preston all these years ago to live down in London, after everything was kind of going wrong, there'd been a young lad that was a drug addict that my partner was friends with, and he was a thief. He was a known thief, and he was stealing off us. I saw him steal off us, and then one day I didn't answer the door. I had a day off work. I had a buzzer. I was in a flat. Next thing you know, this dude's climbing through my bedroom window whilst I'm in bed, right? And the thing is, I, I, when I was a child as well, uh, something that gave me um, 
quite bad trauma was my mum had a stalker that would sit at the back of our house and we we had the front room was on to go to the back and like my mum once saw this person with a hammer uh tires were getting slashed uh things were getting going missing from the house uh the front door on our house it was like a round door knob so you put the key in the middle mm. and mm. you could see where the lock is the wood had been chipped away from someone trying to get into the house and it was just getting worse and worse. And then one night, my mom she just went to adjust the curtains in the front room. I sat upstairs and had the window open and I could hear something outside. But there's a duck pond along the way and I thought it was kids. Mm. So all of a sudden, I heard this, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? So I went downstairs to get my torch. And uh, my mum was like, no, my mum's friend that she went to uni was like, do not go near that back door. And I hated it. I was like, fuck off. I was like, you're not my mum. Mm. And my mum looked at me and she just went, please don't go by that back door. And I was like, the look on her face was pure, like, oh, there was something wrong. And I could mm. I could tell straight away, like, just the look on her face and the way she said it. So it turns out when she'd gone to adjust the curtain, she stood on a chair to adjust the curtain. Someone grabbed her through the window. And that was what the was. So the police got called. But obviously, that's left me scarred. Uh, and uh, so I've got a bit of an issue about... I can't uh, I can't look, look through windows at night and stuff like that. It triggers me. Triggers, yeah. So anyway, getting back to what I was saying about this lad that was robbing us, he's come through mm. my bedroom window. So I've already got that PTSD from, mm. from the start. Of course. And then that happened, and it was just more on top of that. Anyway, he was part of like part of one of the reasons, like my mental health and him were the reason I'd moved away because I didn't feel safe. So anyway, I saw him last night. I saw what him. What like for dating? Right. So the last time I saw him, I was a mess. Because I had instantly seeing him, I was having flashbacks, right? So the kind of flashbacks that, you know, the, the feeling flashbacks mm, of no, the distress. Traumatic flashbacks. Tra- yeah. yeah, the trauma. from You go back to how you felt at the time of the trauma, don't mm, you? Mm. And uh, anyway, so that's, that was a few months ago. But anyway, I, was sat, I went to, uh, there's a live music venue near where I live that I go to all the time. And I DJ there as well a few times the month and stuff so I was in there it was my friend's birthday and my my friend Stuart comes up to me he goes Matty's here I was like right anyway sat there instant first thing flashbacks because I saw him and then I was in fight or flight and then I was I was gonna I was gonna fuck off basically I was like I'm I'm, I'm gonna I can't can't do it but I, I've got a really good network of friends around me now. And that venue, that that pub, it's I live I pretty much live there. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I know everyone there. Everyone mm. knows me. So I was like, right. So I thought the universe is throwing me a curveball here. I feel like the universe wouldn't do this to me unless the universe felt like I could deal with it. That was my thinking. So mm. it was really hard. I was I was really upset at one point. And then uh yeah, I rolled it out. I did it. 
did it. Well done. I know. And I was like... How does that feel for you, Jodie? It was good. It was really liberating because that's that's been something that comes up every now and again, that uh, that trauma, and it, it, it does me in. It messes me up because, obviously, like I said, from what happened when I was a kid, that, that kind of amplified that trauma mm. as well. Mm. So, yeah, but yeah. Did it? So uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to cause a scene or anything because I, I don't do drama. I've yeah. done drama. Mm. I don't do. If, drama. You've had enough in your life, JD. I've had enough only. drama. I, I I'm all about the positive vibes. That is what I do. I don't no. like. I don't. I don't do bad vibes. I have curated my environment around me with people that are good. And not drama. And also, my partner's very good as well. He's been really, really, mm. like, a fundamental part of my recovery. Mm. Uh, he's so laid back. He puts up with all sorts. Mm. It's funny, but it's not funny. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I'm just, like, in this place now where I'm good. Because when I was in London and I was in Crawley and I was going into hospital all the time, my uncle, who lives in like the area up here, he came down and he was like, "We cannot keep doing this." He's like, "You are because I I died again, so I had to be resuscitated by the crash team. I took an overdose, and basically I had a blister pack, and I was taking about sixteen tablets a day with antipsychotics, uh, sedatives, but also." Medication for the side effects of the medication. Do you know what I mean? So I, mm. I the, the chemist would make up my blister packs for me, and I, I, I ate a full blister pack. And what was going on in your life, JD, That you know, you know, led to these multiple suicide attacks. Was it the I didn't want to be trauma alive. from childhood? Was it I other think, stuff that was going on? I think it's uh, it's quite a few things. Like obviously the uh diagnosis I have mm. coincide with you know what my behaviour has been like. Mm. So in terms of the depression, it was like it, it lasted ages and not only that though, because I was impulsive and I was in pain. I was in pain. Like a, a lot yeah. of pain and I couldn't deal with it. I didn't want to do it anymore. So I was like Trying, I'd be. I'd go to hospital. I'd be like, right. I'm turning a new page. I'm turning a leaf. I'm not going to be admitted again. Two weeks later, I've, I've done it again. No, it was just my life, and my uncle was just like, right. You are. I had no support because my dad had my dad had abandoned me, and mm. I had no one. I had no one. I had nothing. I was rock bottom, and uh, so yeah. So my uncle said, you need to come back with me. So. He brought me back to Preston. He put a little single bed in the front room of his tiny little tiny flat. And he uh, stayed with me every second of every day. Because he doesn't work because of his mental health. So he stayed with me every second of every day for weeks. I was on lockdown. I was on lockdown. I was like, mm. and I was trying to self-harm. I had the whole treatment team see me every day. I actually saw a psychiatrist. She looked at my my meds. She was like, whoa, like you do not need to be on all this medication. 
basically down south, they were sedating me. Mm. So I wasn't a nuisance. And they were just, I was on 700 milligrams of quetiapine in a day with and that, like risperidone, like three milligram of that. Uh, they were giving me clonazepam's uh, with promethazine. Uh, one point I was on aripiprazole. Uh, they tried sertraline, but obviously that triggers my bipolar. So, mm. with all of that, with all of that medication, um, JD, the, the side effects that go along with that, have you experienced side effects from those antipsychotics? Yeah. I know one of the things uh, I'm not sure game. if you're aware of it. I, I've no, I've noticed. I'm not sure if it's related or not, but there's um, lip smacking and stuff like that, uh, lip licking. That can be a side effect of the antipsychotic. Yeah, because you get dry mouth. Tardive dyskinesia, it's called. It's yeah, you get that concentration. You get dry mouth. mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So because it acts on the dopamine receptors and stuff like I that. Know, so I twitches, know. lip smacking, lip licking. Yeah. All of these can be side Travis. effects of the antipsychotics as well. Yeah, lithium uh, give me tremors at first, mm. and made me feel a bit weird when i overdosed oh that wasn't very nice obviously um but I can we just say and can we just put this out there that obviously suicide attempts no good comes of us no good comes of it leave it, it leave it we need another guest on remember sounds like it's not for you you've not, tried enough leave it there the, the, i am the i something did not want me to go yeah so no. i mean i've oh, i was i was just like, I look back and I'm like, oh, the people I was hurting. You know what I mean? But that's the pain that you were in. But maybe, I was in know? pain. I was in a lot yeah. of pain and I couldn't deal Did with it. Did anyone ever try to get to that? Or as I said, was it just medication? You know, is anyone kind of going, okay, why? Let's let's have a look at why this is happening. Let's look at, look at what's happened in the past. Let's have a look at what's happening in your life at the minute. Or is it just like, okay, we just need to throw meds at you here now. As I say, keep you sedated and see how that goes. I've had doctors. I've had a lot of doctors. I've seen a lot of psychs, uh, and they all they all have their own opinions and mm. ways of treating you. I have had some DBT therapy, mm. which was good, but uh, dialectical behavioural therapy. Yeah, yeah. So the thing was with that because apparently scientifically it shrinks your amygdala mm. having the DBT. And that's like your instincts, isn't it? Human instincts. That's your fight or flight. That's, that's like the smoking arm in your and brain. I, I yeah, know yeah, I'm on high yeah, alert all the time. I know yeah. I'm on high alert, but I don't want to. I felt like I was. I wasn't well at the time. I I become too unstable for the therapy, uh, so they took me off it. But I was like, I felt like it was like I was calling it a psychological lobotomy. <laughs> I'm like, you just trying to you take doc, but like, because obviously I thought I had special powers at the time as well. You're going this to is take part my, of your psychosis. You're going to take my powers away from me. You're going to take my special powers away. Oh, I, I quite often feel like the, I've got like powers or, you know, like in the highest state of consciousness. And mm-hmm. Like the universe has chosen me to spread the word of the universe. That was an episode that mm-hmm. I had. Um, but I mean, I came back to Preston. My uncle was with me all the time. And people, my friends, my old friends, were getting in touch with me on Facebook, saying, you know, you're back in the area. Do you want to go for a drink? Do you want to meet up? They're all DJs as well, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So eventually when my uncle was happy with me doing that, it took a while, I did. I started reconnecting with people again. And I began to reconnect with music, which I kind of lost touch with. And, I, you know, 
and that helped. That's helped me all my life. Music, and I, mm. I, I couldn't even, couldn't even, you know, do that when I was so ill. So, uh, I was started with. I had some support. I had some support, and I started to feel a bit more myself again. And as time kind of went on, I started to feel like I could live. I began feeling safer. Uh, I was with my partner, as I said, he's massive in my recovery. And I, I found a quality of life which I hadn't had for such a long time or ever really had mm. a proper quality of life. Mm. Uh, so I went back into the music. I bought myself a mic, uh, just a little Zoom mic, and I started doing podcasts, my own podcast, mental health podcasts. And uh, so just before the, I'd moved away from Preston years before, I did do a course with the local community radio station, which didn't follow through because obviously I moved away. Uh, but the podcasts were doing really well. So I put the word out there that I was interested in trying radio again. And our local community station, Beat 183, got in touch. And they uh, had a word with me. I went in and they were like, yeah, right, we want to give you a show. So I was like, it was a couple of times a week. So I was like, oh, that's nice. And... Uh, that was last week to the day of last week. That was two years ago. So right. I went from doing two shows a week co-presenting to doing a few days a week on my own, doing the lunchtime show. And, I mean, I've battled some demons along the way. Mm. You know what I mean? Like In, in your head, though, J.D., were these demons, you mentioned these voices, these voices that you hear, go along with your psychosis is it your own voice does it sound like the voice of something else does it sound like the voice of it's not my own voice these actual mm. voices like i get the voices in my head don't they're not me mm. uh, but i can hear i have all the tree hallucinations so it's not just voices it mm. could be all sorts it's like i've been sat there and it's like I've, I've been able to hear like the sound of I can like, I can describe as rain heavy rain on a conservatory mm. like the mm. or like sometimes I hear like a rustling plastic bag sometimes I hear music uh, sometimes whispers in my ear uh, and I see things as well like, what's one thing that's been annoying me recently it's like I've been sat where I am now because I'm in my little studio set up. Mm. I do a lot of work on my laptop. And I can, it's like out the corner of my eye, I see things flying really quickly above me like a fly. You know, like you mm. just see a fly. There's, yeah, nothing, yeah. there's nothing there. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's really annoying. It's distracting. Does, does that lead to you then, you know, are you second guessing things or, you All know, the time, yeah. it's like, was that real? Is that real? Or, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, when I, um, when I very stupidly, took a lithium overdose uh i was tripping balls off mm. that i woke up in intensive care and i that's when i've been resuscitated by the crash team and uh load do you remember a few years ago when people were dressing up as clowns and going out and scaring people yeah, yeah right it was around yeah. then what the fuck was that i know it was around then all i could see in the hospital ward was clowns and they were like Everywhere, clown faces everywhere, 
he was around that time. Mm. So yeah, and that, that was horrible. And like, so th- for for you, those voices are are, are those um, pieces. They're kind of triggered by something that's going on at the moment, is it? As you said, like when Robin Williams died, you know, the voice was to hang yourself. When you know these clowns were in the media, this was you started seeing clowns everywhere. That's some external trigger, and then the psychosis I, just goes off. I isn't? think stress can play a part sometimes. Mm, uh, yeah, of course. But no, it just comes on. It just comes on. If I don't take my meds, the world's a very weird place. Mm. But uh, it's, it's one of them. I mean, I'm on a lanzapine now, and it works for me. But I'm on quite a high dose. I'm on 20 milligrams of lanzapine, and I've got lithium. And uh, the, the I get this a weight gain. You know what antipsychotics yeah, are like for yeah, weight gain. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, I got I got put on a, a lanzapine after an episode where I was trapped between realities and dimensions of communication. So I thought I was either dead, I was dead because I was sat on my sofa, right as well, and it was just I'm not really doing much, just chilling. Mm. And then I saw this tear in reality. And I could see a machine. It was like it was see-through. But it was there. It was very 3D, like there, mm. right in mm. front of me. And it was like this tear in reality. Someone walked past the machine, stopped, checked it, and walked off again. So, and then it went away. But I was like, am I in a coma? Like, have, have, I, have I died? I'm in a coma. And when I've, when I've taken, like, pills and that and I've hurt myself am I am I actually here is that tearing reality actually where I am I'm in, I'm in a hospital bed uh, you know am I in a coma and then I thought that the city that I live in I thought it was a mental institution that I'd been brought into and that my partner wasn't actually my partner he was my carer like an assigned carer, Mm. but everyone wanted me to think that I was doing bits and achieving stuff and, like, not letting me know that it was actually, you know, an institution. And that was scary because I felt like everyone... I thought everyone was actors. Everyone was an actor. Everything I'm doing, everything that I'm trying to achieve, everything that I am achieving, it's not real. It's just been put in place... It's not a bad place. Everyone's trying to look after me, but it's nothing's yeah. real. Nothing's real. It's all it's all it's all fake. So that that was horrible. Uh, that really upset me. Uh, just I I was looking at my my partner and like you're like you're not even really my boyfriend. You're just a person that's been assigned to look after me. Do you know what I mean? So that mm. was scary. And then because. At one point, I thought, like, the universe was unlocking information from my brain. So, information that everyone has in the minds, mm. but you'd get chosen by the universe to have the information unlocked. Because I was coming out with all sorts of crap. Like, words that were not words I'd ever used, really, like, long words mm. that I didn't even know existed. 
but they were in my brain. How do, how am I saying these things if that wasn't true? So, I, uh, I, yeah, I was a bit of a mess. And because I was ascending into a higher state of consciousness, I wasn't quite ascended. So I couldn't communicate with the other ascended people because I wasn't fully ascended. But then the people that haven't been ascended, they can't understand me because I'm higher in, up than them. So I was trapped between dimensions of communication, is what it was. Mm. And that was pretty scary. Yeah. So, yeah, I've had some mad times. I've had, like, manic and psychotic episodes are just as bad as depressive episodes in terms of how safe you are. Mm. So I I nearly went out one night knocking on people's doors to spread the word of the universe. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, they put me on Olanzapine and I started gaining weight. And when I got better, they took me off the Olanzapine because I was gaining weight. They were like, right, we'll put you back on our Aripiprazole with a higher dose and uh, give you a tiny, tiny bit of sertraline. Well, I was like, pew! And I nearly got sectioned again. And I got the home treatment team. But then they said, you, you, the Olanzapine was working. Mm. Can you deal with the weight gain? And I was just like, I want to be well. So yeah. if that if that is a pill I have to swallow, you know, I've I've put on weight. It's not nice, but you know, health is wealth, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But I mean I've I've I'm doing good. I've had loads of support. Good. I've been doing the radio bits. I do have a couple of other shows that are like underground shows. And I'm DJing, doing gigs. I am doing well. And that's going from rock bottom, building my life from scratch, which I've had to do numerous times because at one point I was a bugger for self-sabotage. Everything's going too well. I'm Mm. scared this is going to go wrong. So I'm going to make it go wrong. So it's on my terms. But I've, I've built my life again. And it does prove that if you have, if you know, if you've got severe or chronic mental health illnesses, if you've got passion and you want to have a quality of life, you can. But you've just got to find the right tools and support because it's been a rough ride. Support seems to be hugely important, Eddie. When you've had the support, that's helped. When you didn't, yeah, that's when you're in a bad place. Yeah, it's been like it's been a rough ride. But the hard times have made me who I am. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But if I, I feel like if you're in a place where you're not good, you have to take back that control somehow, and you've got to want to do it. Do you JD, I mean? you met, you've obviously had, you've obviously been through an awful lot, and yeah. but you have, you have a very positive attitude, I suppose, about your past. And you mentioned that you don't really feel a lot of regrets. Where does that stem from? Is that just a place you're in now that you're you're happy, you're you're doing well now? Is that where that comes from? Yeah, well, oh, we had another incident as well a couple of years ago. So my dad, he made me uh, homeless. Anyway, I started talking to him eventually, but then he was gaslighting me all the time. My whole life, just gaslighting me. I'd be like, why have you done that? Or why are you saying that? I never said that, didn't do that. You're mental. And it's like, that's not funny. So I went. he, went, mm. he, got, he was diagnosed with cancer. So I went down to go and see him. 
and it, it all kicked off over text messaging. And I just went, you know what? You, the last thing I said to him is, you have been a really shit dad. Because he was denying everything that he'd mm-hmm. done to me. And then I didn't speak to him for a while. And then on Boxing Day a couple of years ago, I had one missed call, one tiny missed call off my uncle. Uh, but it was Boxing Day, I was hungover. And I didn't hear my phone, I was in bed. But anyway, I, I was scroll, scrolling through Facebook whilst I was on the phone and uh, saw a post saying my dad had passed away the day before. So I found out on Facebook that my own dad was dead. And I was on like... Christmas Day. Christmas. It was almost like he was giving me that final fuck you, ruin Christmas forever for you. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So anyway, with with that said, I've moved forward. I wasn't good afterwards. Uh, but because everything's been so uh, rough and hard, like all my life up until mm. this mm. last couple of years, I... I'm looking around me, I'm looking at what I've got, the people that I've got, the, you know, the stuff I've got. I've got nice things now and, you know, my music stuff and that. And I'm, I really appreciate it, really appreciate it because I've gone from having nothing and no one to having anything, everything. And I don't need for anything. I don't need anything. I don't, I, I'm happy. And it's like, if I had to go through all that shit, for you know, for thirty years, mm. and it means that it's brought me to this path I'm on now. Worth it. Wow! So that the hard times made you appreciate the good times you have now. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, Alan, going back to what you were saying about being an empath, people feeling like they're mm. empaths. I'm mm. like that. I can feel everything all the time because my brain's so switched on. And mm. like I said to you, I pay attention to detail. And I can really, like, blow things out of proportion sometimes. But what I did learn in DBT, which was really helpful, was a technique, mentalising. You know, to put yourself in the shoes of the other person. Mm-hmm. If they're not answering the phone, if they're, you know, they're doing their own stuff, don't take it personally. I had to swallow the pill of the universe does not revolve around me. Mm. People have their own shit to do. <laughs> so mm. that was really helpful because that was something I was struggling with for for, for, for my life, really. You that, took it personally. You took it to ignoring you, or yeah, didn't talk to you, or was... you know, if someone's in a bit of a shitty mood, it's like I think it was my fault, or I'd automatically feel like I've done something wrong. But mm. that that technique of mentalizing, I uh, I'm an advocate for that, definitely. Yeah, it's been helpful. I even did a podcast on it Brilliant. as well. So, and a, a few of my friends that listened to it were like, oh, that's really helpful, actually. Mm. That was Straight Talking Psychosis. We'd like to thank JD for coming on, and we'd like to thank you, the listeners, for listening. We hope you liked what you heard. If you did, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That's where we move up the trending charts. As you saw a couple of weeks ago, we're, we're, we're really getting up there in the mental health charts in Ireland, and we'd like to keep that trend going. So give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, share the post around, more importantly, and subscribe. You can share the posts on social media. That'd be the most beneficial for us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talking Mental Health. You can find us on Twitter at STMH Podcast. You can find our website at stmhpodcast.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can drop us an email at hello at stmhpodcast.com. 
Big shout out to Fiona Bryan for the podcast music. He's what you hear at the top and the tail of the podcast. He's an amazing producer and beat maker. Catch him on Facebook at FOB Beats. If you're a singer or a rapper or whatever, he'll look after you. And finally, I'd like to thank Peter Dunn, the podcast co-founder. Peter gets a little bit snippy with us if we don't <laughs> shout him out. So I'm just going to make sure we get that in there. <laughs> now I'll throw over to Alan for his little line at the end. And then we'll finish it off with JD. Look after yourself and look after each other. And now we'll throw over to JD for our last word. JD, I want to thank you for being an absolutely incredible guest. One of the things we ask every guest that comes on, we ask them to share some words of wisdom, some life learnings, some something they've taken from this life that they'd like to share with everyone around the world. So we'll ask you to maybe to share something from your own experience. Yeah, and what I will definitely say, I mean, I kind of, I've already kind of touched on this, but the, the moral of the story, if you will, <laughs> is, you know, if you don't reach out, you're not going to get the help. Yeah. And sometimes the only person that can help you is you. But you need to want to help yourself and you need to want help. But it's, you know, sometimes impossible to ever think that you're going to be in a good place when you are in a bad place. Mm. But anything is possible if you can just take back that control and have if you've got a passion that passion can give you drive like me for my music find something you're passionate for and you know it can be a reason to live mental health mental health mental health